Uh, It's great to be with you all tonight uh, as we uh, continue looking at our series in Proverbs. Uh, Tonight we'll be in Proverbs 22. Uh, Going back a chapter last week, we were in Proverbs 23. Uh, This week we're looking at Proverbs 22, uh, verses 1, 9, and then 17 through 19. And it reads this way. Good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. But the simple go on and suffer for it. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Verse 5, thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor. The borrower is a slave of the lender. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. and The rod of his fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. He who loves purity of heart, and whose speech is gracious, will have the king as his friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he overthrows the words of a traitor. The slugger says, there is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. The mouth of a forbidden woman is a deep pit. He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. For whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Verse 17 and 19 says this, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. If all of them are ready on your lips, that, ye, that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. Our brothers and sisters, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord. Let's pray, God. We thank you for uh, this time to open up your word. Allow us to hear from you. Allow us to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, we, we've been studying Proverbs for some time now and have been blessed by the wisdom of Solomon uh, given to him by God's inspiration. Solomon has challenged us to, to live a life of godliness. Uh, I like Solomon a lot and I'm very thankful for his life and his writings I'm thankful because he uses everything and every experience to build up his children, to build up the sons of Israel uh, so they can do what was right in God's eyes, so they can keep their eyes fixed on the Lord. He used the the painful circumstances. He uh, uses his failures to tell his children what to avoid. Uh, The triumphs. He, He shows us how to handle success and how to pursue godly virtues in the midst of victory. All of this is contained in this wonderful book of Proverbs for our benefit. The text for us tonight is no different. 
Solomon uses this chapter to show us God's power over everything, including human wealth and our possessions. Solomon shows us that there is accountability uh, and stewardship of what he has blessed us with. How we ought to respect others that we engage with, with our resources. It gives us reasons not to trample over the poor and shows us the importance of using what we have to expand the great name of God. This passage for me is important for a different reason. Um, one of my good friends, uh, mentors, Bill Garner IV, uh, who is the son of Bill Garner III, one of our wonderful members here at this church. Uh, Bill Garner III, uh, who the Lord took home earlier this year in a plane crash, uh, would recite this passage to me every day of my life uh, from 2009 all the way up until, until last year. Uh, he, he would use this verse during a time when I felt like I wanted to give up as I was training in this program in 2009, this pastoral residency. I wasn't seeing the results that I thought I should have. And so I just wanted to walk away. I wanted to give up. But yet he would tell me the importance of having a good name. You need to have a good name. Uh, when there was times when I, I felt like I wanted to pursue something else, I, I saw that uh, being a celebrity pastor was the thing to do. It was the fun and cool thing. It was uh, how many social media engagements that you could get and, and how many conferences that you could get invited to uh, to speak at. And, and, and Bill would, would say to me, Damon, don't lose sight. Don't lose focus. It is better to have a great name than all the riches than anything that could be in your bank account. And then he would say this, what I titled the message of this sermon tonight. He would say that your name precedes you everywhere you go. I'm grateful for that message and for his life. One of the last things that he did for me uh, was to speak well of my name. Uh, when, when Todd and other members of this church began to, to reach out to him as we were uh, thinking about the transition of coming here, he was able to speak well of me because of uh, how he had trained me and how he had developed me and how, by God's grace, Erica and I were able to live our lives. A good name. And I ran up to him last year not knowing that that would be the, the last time we would share at the FedEx St. Jude golf tournament together. He, he looked at me with a smirk on his face. I didn't know that these conversations were happening. And he just said, even on this golf course, as we was watching Rory uh, hit way over the hole, he says, it's good to have a good name. Tonight we will see the importance of having a good name, having a generous heart and godly living and how that helps to shape the world around us and to glorify uh, the name of our God. So the first thing we see in our text in verse 1 is uh, the importance of having a good name. It says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor better than silver or gold. He starts our chapter off with a very interesting and challenging thought. Uh, all of us at some point will have to to wrestle with uh, as it relates to our name. You know, we, we, we see this now in college sports, this 
struggle with this NIL, name, image, and likeness. It is uh, taking over the world of college sports and trying to figure out how do we pay student athletes. But Solomon, many, many years ago, he dealt with this idea of name, image, and likeness. He, he says that having a good name, having a good image and likeness around other people, it shows the impact that you have on people around you. Having a good name, having a good image and and likeness, uh, it shows the importance of your name and what you're doing now, but also the legacy that it would leave for you after God takes you home. This poses problems for us. Uh, This poses a lot of issues for us in in our American culture who our minds have been coddled with so many things and comforts. Uh, Two two of these problems we'll we'll talk about tonight. The the first problem uh, with this ideal of name and and, and image is is this ideal of why do I have to have a great name? How how does having a great name serve the kingdom of God? Aren't we supposed to live to advance the great name of Jesus? Uh, And and the second problem that we see here that this verse gives us uh, is this ideal and concept of wealth and working hard. How much is enough? Is there ever enough? So the first problem we look at is, uh, is it my great name or is it his great name? We, we know the answer to this, but uh, for someone who may be new to this faith, someone who is new and have never been into a church before, look, the entire Bible speaks of the importance of spreading the great name of our God. Uh, it is clear in the Old Testament and in the New Testament about God's desire to make his name known around the world. We see this in the wonderful story in Exodus as God is dealing with Moses as he is uh, communicating with Pharaoh, uh, specifically Exodus chapter 9 as the plagues are going around and and Moses is going back and forth and all this is taking place. And, And this is what God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh to tell him In Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, he says, look, but for this purpose, I have raised you up to show my power so that here it is, my name will be proclaimed in all of the earth. And even uh, as the plagues were uh, taking ravage over the nations of over over Egypt, that he was saying, look, this purpose is for my for my name to be spread to all of the earth. That wasn't enough for Moses. Later on in, in Exodus 32, he would have another encounter with God as it dealt with his name and fame being spread to the nations. Uh, you, you know the story of Exodus 32. Uh, Moses is up fellowshipping with God, and, and he had been away for some time. The people thought that Moses wasn't coming back. Maybe Moses had died. And, and so they build this, this golden calf. And, and as Moses is fellowshipping and communicating with God, and he's there and the Lord looks down and says, look at these people. Look, look at these folks. They, they, they've built an image. They, they're building an idol and they're worshiping it. I'm going to destroy these people, this, this stiff-necked generation, these people that you're leading. I'm about to take them out. As Moses is sitting there, I'm sure very respectful and very worshipful, he says to, to, to God, bruh, no, bruh, you, you, are you the ops now? You? No, no, you, you, you can't do this. Your name is on the line. Exodus 32, verses 11 through 14. Uh, read what it says with me. It says, but Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people from whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? 
Well, why should the Egyptians say with, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Here it is. Remember Abraham and Isaac and, and Israel. Th- th- these are your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven. And I will, in all this land that I, I have promised, I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. Moses says, oh God, your, your name is on the line. If you, if you carry this thing out, God cares about his name. And for us to have a good name and to live in a way that gives honor to God, we need to put his name on display to the world because his name is in us. His name is on us. Thinking about this ideal and concept of name makes me uh, think about uh, this, this true story of one Carl Brashear and Master Chief Billy Sunday. You, you probably remember this, these two names from the, the movie Men of Honor. Uh, Men of Honor is a movie that is talking about Carl Brashear who uh, grew up in, the, he was born in the 1930s of a sharecropping family. He, he's a black man living in America at a time where uh, it wasn't so accepting of him. And he had this one dream. Uh, he wanted to be a master diver for the U.S. Navy. As the movie progresses, he is starting his journey. He's smart. He's passed all the tests. He, he's there. He's training to, to try to be this master diver. But yet everything that was uh, coming his way, the opposition uh, that he faced was one that would have caused him to, to stumble in his tracks and to give up. And time and time again, he was constantly uh, uh, having things happen to try to get him to go home. And, and well, why don't you go back home? You'd never be able to do this. This is not something for you. His, his mates would, wouldn't want to live in the same bunkers that he was living in. He had all of this that was happening to him. And uh, to make matters worse, the master chief, uh, Billy Sunday, was not so favorable. His teacher, uh, the one who was supposed to teach and help him to train and develop, uh, didn't have respect for him as well. He uh, go, would go so far and would not even call him by his name, but he would call him Cookie. Throughout the movie, just constant disrespect. He, he would go on, he would pass his test, he would uh, do the final exam where his bag of tools was ripped as he would have to uh, put this uh, article together underwater as it was cold and, and they tried to sabotage it, but somehow, some way, uh, he, he built the, the, the collateral, he, he built everything within him to finish this project to go on to be this master diver and would go on to do a lot of great things for the Navy. On one of those trips, he would injure his leg and his leg would eventually have to be amputated. But he didn't want his career to be over. They said that you ought to retire, but he wanted to come back in to complete his career. They, they, they made mockery of him. It was all over the news. That, Why is he going to come back? He doesn't have two legs. How he's going to be a master diver now? So he would start this process of training and training to try to to, to pass another test where he had to take so many steps with all of his armor on to prove that he was still able to do what he had trained to do all of his life. And out of nowhere, as as you're watching this movie, you're you're probably at the edge of your seats. Uh, The the, the master chief, uh, Billy Sunday, who had been demoted and his life wasn't going so well, he sees what's happening. He comes to help train good old Cookie. 
He would train Cookie. He was hard on Cookie the same way he was as he was training just to, to be a part of the Navy. And, and at the final scene that we have as, as he was walking towards to, to get those last three steps, there he is, uh, this chief master, the master chief was there urging him on, keep going, keep going, come on, Cookie, come on, Cookie, until he was able to cross the line and the room would burst into applause. And you, you're sitting there, and as you're watching it, you, it doesn't make sense. Why in the world would someone who had treated this man so bad, all of his training, why, why in the world would this guy come back out, out of nowhere to help train this person he had treated so poorly? And, and, and the answer is that, that his name was on him. He was one of his students. And no matter what he thought about him, no matter what, what he felt about his career and his life path, that his name as his teacher was on his life. That when Carl wanted to give up, when he wanted to quit, that he would step in to help him to push him along the way. Carl Brashear had the master chief, but we are the children of the master. The one who created the whole world and everything in it. And this master, it speaks of him in Psalm 24, says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the whole world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Look, we should care for his name too, the great name of our God. That's why we have to live in a way to have a great name. It's for us to live so that others made to live after the design that God has for their life. But it wasn't just Carl Brashear who, who dealt with this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he deals with this whole idea of name as well. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, he would give his whole resume, which is a very impressive resume of who he was, where he grew up, what, what schools he went to, to let you know he grew up on the right side of the tracks. He grew up into the right family. And, and he would say, look, none of that means anything but to know Christ and to be found in his sufferings and his resurrection. But in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, this is what he says. Paul, who has one of the greatest resume of all of scripture that we know, he says, look, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now, now live in the flesh. I, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's vital for us to have a great name, but it's vital for the namesake of God that we strive to have a good name. We strive to be faithful and trustworthy and dependable, being people of good character to expand the great name of our God. So the question on the table tonight is, are you faithful? Can people trust you? Who, who can depend on you to do the things that you said that you were going to do. We, we have to be people who live with honor to expand the great name of God. It's problem number one. Problem number two is the idea of wealth, working hard. How, how much is enough? Going back to verse one, look at what it says. It doesn't say that having a great name is uh, pitted against wealth as wealth is bad and the name is good. It says that, that, that having a great name is just uh, is, is a little better than, than having great wealth. That, that it was better. That wealth is okay, but a great name is better. And I think Solomon writes this to us to help us fight against the dangers of materialism. He doesn't say money is bad. It's a great thing to work hard and, and achieve greatness. 
and to be rewarded for, for it no matter whatever human uh, endeavor that you are a part of. But Solomon knew personally how wealth can mess us up. Having too much too fast could be dangerous for some people. Having access to anything at any time could be problematic. Since this is the 50th anniversary of the music form of hip-hop, I have to quote from one Christopher Wallace. He would say that the more money you have, the more problems you will experience. The money and material things is not the problem. It's how we act and how we respond to it. Do we become unloving? Does it make us look down on other people? So Solomon knew that, look, material things could turn our hearts from the Lord, that we would come obsessed with it. We would be thinking about it all the time and could never really enjoy it. I remember reading the book, a wonderful book. I would, would ask you to read it as well if you get time, a book called Titan, which chronicles the life of John D. Rockefeller Sr. And this book talks about his life in many ways. Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest if not the wealthiest man uh, in, in the world for some time. A Standard Oil Company allowed him to acquire most of his wealth and riches. He had it all. He could purchase anything he wanted. He could do anything he wanted because he had so much money and so many resources at his disposal. But as, as you read this book and you read about his life, he was a really good man, and, and uh, we, we don't have time to do a dissertation on uh, whether his uh, monopoly on the oil industry at the time was, was part of it, but, but, but this is one of the things that I found was fascinating. When they asked him, how much wealth is enough? Uh, John D. Rockefeller Sr., how, how much is enough? How much wealth is enough for you to have in your life? He would answer by saying, just a little bit more. That he, even though he had it all, he had all the money, he was the, the wealthiest man in the whole world. He says, that, look, at the end of the day, I, 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 I just want a little bit more to find that satisfaction. I, I just want a little bit more to, to feel like I, my life is completed. And Solomon is trying to help us to fight against what it's hard for us to fight on our own, that the way that materialism could take over our lives and cause us not to follow after God in the way that would bring him honor. So he says that desiring a good name is something to have over silver and gold. So point number one, a good name Uh, Next, we see that it's important to have a generous heart. Look at verse 9. It says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. This ideal of a a bountiful eye is a person who uh, loves generosity. It's a person who lives a life that is being kind to other people, a life that uh, is just doing sacrificial giving to others. And people who give generously will be blessed, Solomon says, that if you lead with generosity, that you will be blessed by God. The the God of the universe will honor your generosity. As a church, God has blessed us because of how generous we are collectively to other people. The resources that are given to local and world missions, local nonprofit organizations that are doing great work to make our city better. We, we have been blessed as a church because of the great generosity and stewardship uh, that we have and that we see as our obligation. Individually, there are some amazing things that are being done all over the Mid-South due to individuals in our church that are showing kindness for God's glory all across the city. 
We see the God of Scripture is a God who loves generosity. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10, he says to, to the people, that, that, look, you should give to him freely. And your heart should not be grudging when you give to him because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and all that you undertake for being kind to those who have need. Look, this is the generosity that we ought to have. This generosity should be a no-brainer. Uh, but unfortunately, we live in a society that is all about self. Uh, we live in a society that is all about myself and I. We live in a society that is hiding up this ideal of self-care, self-care, all for me, all for me, and nothing for anything else. Now, hear me, I'm all about self-care. I believe that we must take care of ourselves in order for us to be able to minister to other people well, but we cannot forget that God has called us uh, to be a blessing to other people. And this shift in self was supposed to be the beginning of happier life for everyone. But the findings of research has shown us that that may not be so. Dr. Laurie Santos, who is the creator of the Happiness Lab podcast, uh, talks passionately about the benefits of giving to others and how that affects your life. She said being kind to others, it gives people a sense of happiness than being consumed with yourself. That happy people perform spontaneous generosity and kindness. And her research has shown the, the physical and psychological rewards from being generous. Uh, the, some of the physical benefits is uh, for people who have high blood pressure, it, it lowers your blood pressure when you live a life of generosity. She said it balances your stress when you are living a life where kindness rules the day and Psychologically, it says, look, it just brings happiness that there's nothing else in this world that gives happiness when you're being generous, when you're giving to other people and doing for others who may not be able to do for themselves. Being generous, it helps others, but it helps you as well and that you're blessed by it. Having a generous eye is not all about giving monetary resources. It's service to other people and care and concern for others. Is advocating for those who may not be able to help themselves. Last week as I was coming in, uh, parking across Central, I get out of my car and I noticed there was a car that was uh, blocking the entryway uh, of the parking lot here on the, the corner of Goodland and Central. So if you were trying to get here early, you wouldn't be able to get onto the parking lot. I'm, I'm walking up and I have on my suit. I'm hot. I'm sweating. It's 100 degrees. And, and here comes Bob Coleman walking behind me in his cool golf gear. And we walk up to this uh, individual, this young man, and we didn't know what had happened. But uh, what happened was his, his, the, the entire front bumper of his car had come off and it went underneath his car to where he couldn't drive. And the only thing he could do was, was barely get up the, the little incline into this parking lot. So I'm walking in. I got some things on my mind. I'm, I'm like, I, I got a sermon and uh, I need to, you know, be, be in prayer. I don't need to get, start sweating yet before I start talking. And, but as I'm approaching, all, all these thoughts are going through my mind. And, and, and the first thing that happened when Bob and I got to him, first question we asked is, what, what can we do for you? Bob in his cool golf gear, Damon in his hot suit, began helping him to get his, tire, get his car up, jacked up just enough so that we could pull this bumper uh, from underneath his car, place it uh, inside of his trunk, 
And then we just started talking to him and started having a conversation to him. It was apparent that he wasn't on his way to church. It was apparent that uh, he, he wasn't a believer. And so we started having this conversation. That's very exciting to me. And Bob says, Damon, why don't you go in? You got some other work that you need to do. But as, as I walked away, Bob stayed there and, and talked to him and helped him to get the car back down and made sure that he was seen on his way safely. That, that gener- generosity doesn't have to do uh, with, with monetary acts all the time. It is, it is being there. It is stepping up and serving individuals who have need. And God gives us these opportunities every day. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we overlook so many of the opportunities he gives us to be generous to other people. So we see in our text, we need to have a good name, have the generous heart. Lastly, as we round third head for home, godly living, godly living. Look at verses 17 through 19, specifically on verse 19 as our time is coming near. That your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. Solomon in in Proverbs, and as we continue in this series, he's given us so many lines of wisdom. His desire for us to have these on our hearts and to to look to them, to make sure that he uses, what he wanted to do was he made sure that he used his name and affluence to point people to the Lord. He tells us that your trust needs to be in the Lord. Solomon wants us to walk away, walking in the ways of the Lord, to study the ways of the Lord, to encourage others in the way of the Lord. This could have been a point where Solomon could have took glory for himself and for his great name, but yet he points them to the Lord. He wanted their trust to be in God and God alone. And as he is saying this to his children, as he is writing this for us, I can imagine He was thinking of the wisdom that he would have received from his father, King David. Uh, King David uh, was the author of many psalms, and I'm sure these psalms Solomon Solomon would have heard. But one in particular, as it deals with this generosity, as it deals with uh, being kind and being good, uh, is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night so that he could be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields forth its fruit in its season. The leaf does not wither. and Whatever he does prospers. Uh, the wicked are not so, but like the chaff which is driven away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's strive to expand God's kingdom by having a good name, having a generous heart, and by godly living for God's glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you. These are tough words, tough words of wisdom. But God, I pray that we would take these to heart. The fact that a great name is one that we should desire over wealth and riches so that in the name that we are able uh, to build that we give you honor and glory, but not just with our name, but with our resources, with our, our service to other people. God, these are some hard things that I pray that we would examine in our hearts so that we can live passionately after you. 
We want to be generous because, God, you were generous to us. The Bible says that while we were sinners, God, you died for us. Not when we were your friends, not when uh, we were on your team, but, God, while we were enemies, while we were walking in godness, God, we thank you for your generosity to us, that your great name can go forth through us in this world. God, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.